Saturday, January the 15th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, tensions mount between Russia and Ukraine, and America's retail sales drop. First, the week in brief. Ukraine suggested Russia had orchestrated a large cyber attack on Friday that briefly took down about 70 government websites. The warning, quote, be afraid and expect the worst, appeared on the site shortly before they crashed. Separately, America accused Russia of sending operatives into eastern Ukraine to stage, quote, sabotage activities against its own proxy forces there and provide a, quote, pretext for invasion. A Kremlin spokesman called such fears, quote, unfounded. The office of Boris Johnson, although not the Prime Minister himself, apologised to Buckingham Palace for two parties that took place at Number 10 last year, the night before the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral. The British Prime Minister's spokesperson called the parties, held for departing members of staff, quote, deeply regrettable. America's retail sales, including food and fuel, dropped by 1.9% in December compared with the previous month, the first fall in five months and the biggest since February last year. Americans stayed away from shops amid concerns over the spread of the highly infectious Omicron variant of COVID-19. High inflation and supply chain disruptions also hampered holiday shopping habits. Not content with already sentencing on San Suchi to several years imprisonment on a variety of spurious charges, Myanmar's military junta has now come up with five more. The country's former de facto leader will be tried for corruption relating to the higher purchase and maintenance of a helicopter. She's also being tried on charges of violating the Official Secrets Act. Daily COVID-19 cases in Britain continue to fall, suggesting that the Omicron wave may be past its peak. Nearly 100,000 new cases were reported on Friday, about half of the peak recorded in early January. Infection numbers also stabilised in Spain and France. In Australia, the government said the wave would subside soon, but warned that cases may linger near record levels for the next few weeks. An American judge ruled that Martin Shrelly, a former pharmaceutical executive, who in 2015 hiked the price of a drug used to treat a parasitic infection from $13.50 a tablet to $750, had used anti-competitive tactics. The judge barred him from the drug industry for life and ordered him to pay $64.6 million. Mr Shrelly is serving a seven-year sentence for securities fraud. China exports had a bumper year. According to official data, the country posted a record trade surplus of $676 billion in 2021, up from $524 billion the previous year, and the highest since 1950. China also posted the highest trade surplus for December, $94.5 billion, since records began in 1994. Although China exported $3.4 trillion worth of goods last year, and word of the week. Argoways. 
a contemptuous Chinese term for collaborators with Japanese occupiers in the 1930s and 1940s. And now here's today's agenda. Asghar Faradi returns with a hero. He is unquestionably Iran's most successful filmmaker. In 2012, in a first for the country, he won the Oscar for the best foreign language film with A Separation. He took the prize again in 2017 for The Salesman. His new film, A Hero, has been shortlisted for the category ahead of the ceremony in March. Mr. Faradi, however, has described his international renown as, quote, double-edged, since it invites scrutiny of his politics. Critics have accused him of toning down his films to placate the regime. Hardliners at home say he portrays Iran in a negative light. In November, the auteur took to Instagram to clarify his views. Quote, I have never had the slightest affinity with your backward thinking, he wrote. If by entering the film for Oscar's consideration, the regime thought he would be in its, quote, debt, no chance. Quote, this movie will live on its merits, he added. To his many fans, those are the words of a hero. Scream returns. Never drink or take drugs. Don't have sex. And never ever leave a room saying, I'll be right back. The rules to surviving a slasher horror film were memorably parodied in Scream, which came out in 1996. On Friday, its fifth instalment arrived in cinemas, 11 years after Scream 4 was released to lukewarm reviews. It's the first in the series not directed by Wes Craven, the legendary horror auteur who died in 2015. The slasher genre is back in vogue. Last summer, Netflix released Fear Street, a trilogy of blood-spattered films. New instalments of Halloween, 1978, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, are due later this year. Call it nostalgia. Audiences take perverse comfort in the genre's standard structure and recurring motifs, such as The Masked Murderer, the sinister unknown caller, and the final girl. And there's always fun in a good fright. Zero Covid at the Winter Olympics Hosting a big sporting event during Covid is no easy feat. Look at how one tennis star managed to overshadow preparations for the Australian Open. Nevertheless, Chinese authorities are pressing ahead with Beijing's Winter Olympics, due to begin in three weeks. They plan to attempt biosecurity on a massive scale as part of their zero-Covid strategy. All of the estimated 3,000 athletes and the wider cast of support staff and media will remain inside a bubble for the duration of the event. Anyone unvaccinated who wants to enter must submit an impractical 21 days of quarantine, as will all residents of China when they leave. Human contact will be limited by the use of robots for simple tasks such as serving coffee. Rubbish from the games will be processed separately. The rules around spectators are still to be confirmed. 
Organisers say the event will be safe, but public health experts still believe Omicron will find a way in. Devil in the Detail In nature, scavengers are animals that feed on rotting flesh, such as vultures and hyenas. Down under, Tasmanian devils fill that niche. But according to research in Ecology and Evolution, a journal, Tasmanian devils are in breach of the scavenger's golden rule. They are extremely picky eaters. To investigate their diets, ecologists examined 71 devils from across Tasmania and chemically analysed their whiskers. They found that most devils have a favourite snack, be it parrot, paddy melon or wallaby, and stick to it. Only the runtiest take what they can get. Experts suspect that Tasmanian devils' mealtime fussiness is enabled by their isolated homeland. Since the thylacine, known as the Tasmanian tiger, went extinct, Tasmania has no large predators to compete with devils for meat. They are choosy because they can afford to be. However, the iconic marsupial is now endangered, ravaged by facial cancer. This research will help ensure captive populations remain well-fed and content. Weekend Profile Sue Gray, British Civil Servant Having offered a grudging apology to MPs for attending a drinks party during lockdown, Britain's beleaguered Prime Minister now has to wait for the results of an official inquiry into Partygate. This could well decide his fate. If he is found to have transgressed, he could resign, or his own Conservative MPs might force a leadership election and dump him. He certainly can't expect a soft ride from Sue Gray, the 65-year-old heading the inquiry. Variously nicknamed the Inquisitor-in-Chief, or the most powerful person in Britain you've never heard of, Miss Gray, over a long career in Whitehall, has established herself as a fair but ruthless arbiter of the Ministerial Code of Conduct, which governs how Cabinet members should behave. As the official in charge of propriety and ethics in the Cabinet Office from 2012 to 2018, for instance, she finished off the careers of three Tory ministers for breaching the Code. Her effectiveness as an enforcer may be explained by her atypical career. Unlike her fast-track Oxbridge peers, Miss Gray never attended university and joined the civil service at the bottom. Others take career breaks to study climate change at Harvard or help run posh investment banks. Miss Gray joined her husband, Bill Conlon, to run a pub near Newry in Northern Ireland, an area known as Bandit Country during the Troubles. She pulled pints while he provided the music, fronting his own very fine country and western band, Emerald. Whereas most mandarins at least try to be emollient, Miss Gray, fearless and thorough, is a self-declared challenger. Some question whether she should be sitting in judgement on other civil servants who might have broken the lockdown rules in Partygate. They include her own immediate boss, the Cabinet Secretary Simon Case. Maybe but no one doubts her expertise at calling last orders on ministerial careers, even if it's the Prime Minister himself. 
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Rosa Luxemburg, who died on this day in 1919. Before a revolution happens, it is perceived as impossible. After it happens, it is seen as having been inevitable. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.